Hey you, one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday. Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, the wood wide web. How fungi help trees to communicate with each other. Your teacher is Dr Brett Summerall, Chief Botanist at the Australian Institute of Botanical Science and at the Royal Botanic Gardens and Domain Trust. Good afternoon. Hi, Richard. This is like something from Lord of the Rings, isn't it? It is. It's very int and very of these big trees of the the forest wandering through and uh, And talking talking to each other. And talking to to each other. And hobbits and things, yes. But but not as as strange, not as ludicrous as it might sound. No, there's... we, We often think of trees as these static organisms that sit there rather stoically and see through decades and centuries even. But um, we're, we're starting, a lot of the new research that's coming out now is starting to show that the, there's a whole raft of things happening, a whole way in which they're connected to each other and connected to a whole range of different organisms. And it's not just about one single organism sitting there and seeing out the decades, but actually lots of interactions and lots of interactions mm-hmm. with the whole forest and with their other uh, members of their own species. That's right. The, the forest protecting itself, which is a really interesting idea. Fungi is, the, is, is, a, is a very important weapon in this, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so the, the fungi that are the most important, and this is all happening underground, so pe- people um, may not be aware of it, may not see it, and of course it makes it so much harder to, to study and to research. But the, the fungi under the ground are a, a particular type of fungi called mycorrhizae, so literally that's Latin for fungi of the roots. And so they're growing either on the roots or inside the roots and forming these particularly, um, when you see them under the microscope, they're spectacular structures that um, delve into the, the individual cells of the plants. And then they grow along the mycelium of it, the threads of the fungus grow along the roots and then out into the soil. So not only do you have the roots permeating through the through the soil, but you also have these fungi um, permeating into the soil and the amount of soil that they can penetrate and interact with becomes much, much greater. Yes, yeah, so this is the classic example where they're helping the trees and the trees are helping them. Yes, yeah, so it's that process of symbiosis. Uh, I think maybe Richard Kingsford talked about that on, on an earlier Self-Improvement Wednesday. And so both partners in the in the relationship are getting benefit out of it. The tree obviously has this wonder house of, of photosynthesis, this nutrient energy that it produces, uh, and the fungus is able to go out into the soil and to extract minerals, phosphorus, nitrogen, all sorts of other minerals that are critical to the tree health. And so the, the fungus gets taps into the to the sugars that the the tree is producing and the the tree taps into the fungus the fungus mm-hmm. so that it can extract the phosphorus the nitrogen and whatever out of the soil now the fact that uh, an individual little bit of fungus was communicating and benefiting each that the tree and the fungi were benefiting each other that's been known for a long time the the, the research that's being done though suggests that they're reaching out to other trees yes yeah, so what's i mean Anybody who's tried to grow truffles um, down in Canberra or down in Tasmania will know that sometimes the relationship is a one-on-one relationship. But now we're we're starting to understand that in these forests, the relationship can be one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-many. And so a particular tree can have a whole variety of different um, fungi that have this relationship with it. And then these fungi can be permeating through the soil and connecting with other trees of the same species or indeed other trees of different species. So this, you have this what we, you know, a whole interconnectedness, a web of, of mycelium running between the trees um, all across the forest, under, under the soil across the forest. Mm. Now, here's the exciting idea that in times of stress, nutrients could be directed to the tree most in need. Yes. Yeah, so um, 
what's really, really fascinating now and the research, a lot of the research that come out you know, only in the last 15 to 20 years is that the flow of nutrients can vary depending on circumstances and can vary on the depending on the circumstances of individual trees. So one tree might be pushing out more nutrients to other trees which are not benefiting as much. And at different times of the year, the relationship can be, be quite different. So in, in the Northern Hemisphere, for example, um, conifers can be pushing out nutrients because they're evergreens and they don't take so long to, to ramp up their photosynthesis. And then towards the end of the season, the evergreens produce more nutrients and push out. So it's, it's a benefiting the whole of the forest rather than just the individual tree and if we want to anthropomorphize it and talk about you know is this tree being altruistic to this it's it gets a little bit um, off with the fairies I guess from that point of view but it, it makes evolutionary and ecological sense that the trees are all protecting one another because they're, they're, there's much more benefit in having a healthier forest than having healthier individuals in that sort of circumstance. There's, there's self-interest in the tribe, if I can use the anthropomorphic word, but the, there's <laughs> yes. self-interest in the tribe all being protected. Yeah, exactly. And anybody who's ever seen a uh, you know a, a cyclone or, or a hurricane or something move through a forest, you'll know that if the forest is all even and 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 unstressed, there's less damage to that ecosystem than there would be if the uh, individuals are stressed or, or whatever. So there, there's benefits, ecological and evolutionary benefits in that process. I can imagine a situation where a particular tree is being uh, invaded by insects. You're talking about the fact that other trees might be pre-armed with the chemicals they need. Yeah, so people don't tend to think of trees having all of these defence responses, but they have an amazing um, gal- whole armoury of, of sorts of defence responses, Chemicals that they produce that can be anti anti pathogens or can be anti insects, and so what's been shown through some really lovely um, elaborate um, experimental work, both in the in the in a glasshouse scenario, but also in the field, is that uh, an individual plant can be attacked by something like an aphid to make it easier to understand. It will produce those chemicals, but they've been able to demonstrate that those chemicals will not only help that plant, but they'll also flow to other individuals so that 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 particular plant can start to produce its own. So it's almost like this immune response is being communicated across from one individual to another individual, so it's pre-armed and ready to go once that it, pathogen... It's, it's and, their version of the, the COVID vaccine rollout. It, it is. It's, a, it's a spectacular. If only we, we could be so, so efficient. Yeah. Yes. It, how does this knowledge inform us when we're replanting? You know, might have something like a mining site which is being replanted and try to return that to, to, to native forest. Does this knowledge inform how we do that now? Yeah, it's really critical. So we start to talk now about the soil microbiome. You know, every second ad on the television is now about your intestinal microbiome. But the soil microbiome is really critical about making sure that your the soil in those, you know, particularly in a site like a mine restoration, that the soil is microbially active, that you have these sorts of um, organisms in the soil or you, you inoculate them uh, into the, the soil when you're doing a revegetation or a restoration program in those sorts of areas so that you're able to build up the microbial levels, you're able to, to build up that resilience within that ecosystem so it's more likely to succeed. We've seen way too many examples of the, in these sorts of circumstances where this, um, wasn't, this sort of detail wasn't paid attention to and we had all sorts of problems. And people were wondering of, why the, the forest didn't get established. Yeah, exactly. So we need to be not only thinking about restoring the plants and putting back that ecosystem so all the other organisms, the animals and everything, but making, paying attention to the microbes that are in the soil so that we can build up that microbial level so we have a healthy soil, 
and then then you can get healthy plants and a healthy ecosystem. It's really critical. All talking to each other. Do you use the techniques of the botanic gardens? Yeah, we've used them on occasions. Um, I think the most classic example where we used them was we did some work trying to understand what the the mycorrhizal associations are with the wallamai pine. And so we showed that there was a number of different fungi that are um, present at the the natural site where the trees grow. And so we looked for analogous types of um, organisms that might have been in, in the garden. So we used a hoop pine. It's very closely, the areas are very closely related to, to the wallamai pine. Grabbed some soil and some roots from those that tree and then planted them planted, if you like, into the, where we were planting the wallamai pine and certainly it took and, and um, the wallamai pines are still growing despite a few, many hard mm. years, but they're, they're growing well. So yeah. do you have with fungi, mushrooms for instance, do you have mushrooms that are associated with particular trees? Yeah, so most of the mycorrhizal fungi that you see uh, that, are, that are around will often produce, produce the mushrooms. So over the next um, six to eight, 10 or 8, 12 weeks, we've had a fantastic uh, lead into, into autumn. We should see lots and lots of mushrooms popping up in, in our uh, native forests, in the gardens and all those things. Most of those will be mycorrhizal associations. But with all, everything fungal, um, we, we know so few of the species. We know so few about the relationships. Um, there's lots and lots of research to, still to be done in order to be able to name them, put a, understand them better, and then be able to work with them to manipulate them so that we can understand them better, so we can get a, a better, healthier outcomes for our, our plantings. Mm. Obviously, we've focused on fungi today, but do you think there's other techniques that trees use to, to talk to each other? Um, I think there's probably quite likely that there's different ways in, in which they, they do that. And, um, it's, it's an area that's really still underexplored and, and we, we need to, to work on. And one of the things that's really interesting is how we can look at these systems, how we can start to understand what the chemical stimuli, whether they're being airborne, um, moved around airborne, um, almost like a, a hormonal type mm-hmm. arrangements, what they all are, how we can man- perhaps manipulate them for, to get better outcomes, maybe more sustainable outcomes in, in our crops and, and plantings for agriculture, horticulture and the like, so that we can get um, more sustainable pest management um, outcomes in those sorts of scenarios. But as you were saying, it makes sense, doesn't it, in evolutionary terms, the forest, the plants that can somehow communicate with each other and protect each other are going to be more successful. Oh, it does. It's completely completely that case. And, and it really often it's also about making sure that there's that um, sustainability in the forest so that we're letting it build up this almost, you know, I'm getting to the anthropomorphic spin mm-hmm. again, building up this, this residual memory within both the soil, all of the organisms that are there. So when, and we're focused a little bit on, on fungi, but there's a whole bacterial um, suite of organisms that are really critical in this place. They need, it needs to build up over a period of time. Um, and, of course, we're disrupting the system dramatically with, with things like climate change and, and, you know, severe fires and all of that sort of thing and, and urbanisation mm. and, and clearing. So it really is a, a, one of those really important areas of research that needs to be followed through more if Yeah, and it, re- it reminds me, it reminds us of the amazing beauty and uh, skill of nature, I suppose. Uh, it is. In any period of time where you walk through and see the, all of the work that things like fungi and, and all the different plants and how they interact and the connectedness um, is really quite an amazing um, 
sight to behold. Mm. Maybe Prince Charles isn't silly, uh, silly after all, of, 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 of talking to them occasionally, <laughs> sharing, no, sharing a no, word I, and a joke. I heard, I heard him talking for a, a, a symposium for, for our sister garden at Kew the other day, and uh, he's, he's very passionate in these areas and uh, with and and with a lot of science behind it as well. Well, half his luck because he's got a few other things on his mind. <laughs> yes, the exactly. Moment. The trees probably give him the best conversation. Hey, yeah, thanks so much for coming in. That was fantastic. Thanks, Richard. 